Science Podcast. I'm Zoe Ingram. I'm Lisa Bengtsson. And we're broadcasting to you from Berlin, Germany. And today we're sitting here with Stephanie Mahler and Daniel Besser from the German Stem Cell Network because we had an event here at Max Delbruck Center um, that we all work at that was like a big outreach event about stem cells for like high school students, right? So, uh, and we also talked to a couple of them, but the, that we will talk about later. <laughs> but now, uh, maybe if you could just introduce yourself, what the German Stem Cell Network is, and why you're doing this UniStem Day. Sure. Uh, my name is Daniel, Daniel Besser, and I started this initiative with a couple of other um, scientists in Germany in 2013. And we basically founded an association and we called it the German Stem Cell Network and it has obviously different uh, tasks and one task is to um, provide a platform for the scientists to come together but um, there's also an idea of educating the public and educating the schools on issues uh, on stem cell research and um, for example the UniSTEM Day which we had last last Friday, as you mentioned before, is, is part of this initiative to have an outreach into, into the public, but also into schools. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stephanie, how does it work, this UNISTEM day? It's one day of education about stem cells for students. And it's not only in Berlin, but it's all over Germany. We have like 15 locations where it takes place at institutes or universities. And uh, the students come to the institution the research institution. And um, for example, here in Berlin, on Friday, 240 students, high school students with major, most of them had biology major, came to the institute and we gave them lectures on stem cells by real scientists, which is, first of all, a great advantage. And uh, we covered different topics of basic research and applied research. And then um, we made, uh, we had breakout sessions, workshops about 10 workshops for uh, the students covering topics from ethics, CRISPR-Cas, techniques, labor, uh, uh, um, lab laboratory, laboratory, laboratory. Uh. Well, one should say that it's, it's not only a German initiative, it is a European initiative and it in fact started in Italy in 2009 and it spread from there. So uh, we're very happy that that in Germany we have such a great community of like, I think, 10 cities, 11 cities, which participate. But it's among the, the, the whole European, and we even have like a, a school in Australia, I think, who's participating. So it's, it's really, a, a, in, in the meantime, a worldwide uh, a day on, on science, on, on stem cell research. And we're very proud of that it developed so well. You mm -hmm. know? Talking about Germany, I can say that we started with um, three or four cities and now it's about 15 cities where it's taking place. And the specialties that each institute offers its own program. So you can design your own program if you're a big institute or a small institute and um, what topics you want to cover, what kind of activities you want to do with the students. And the students get really close to the scientists and how a scientist works. So it's not only the focus on stem cells, but it's as well the focus on how does science work, how does um, 
a laboratory work or how does is it organized? How is such a research campus organized? So it's an overall interesting day for the students. I was about to ask because I, mean, I don't think it's really, or you would think, or one would think that it's not that difficult to access information on stem cells and you don't need a special day for it, right? I mean, um, there's so much information online on if you're searching for stem cells, uh, just knowledge. Uh, why do you think, what's the extra add-on except of this like being in, a, well, um, meeting the scientist face to face? I think basically that's it. You you you. Uh, it's it's a difference between digital and analog. You really have it. Ha it's happening. You're talking to people. You can uh, you see them as persons. You see the place where they work. You see uh, actual pictures of cells which the scientists took, and he's talking about it. Our scientists watched on video um, a heart surgery by a heart surgeon to talk about his work. Uh, He's adding stem cells in his heart surgery. So, and they were thrilled. And it's different because if you talk to someone and you're close and you feel the presence of the person, you are fascinated. Watching it on YouTube is very, it's a very great source as well, but it's not as close, it's not as touching. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I totally see the motivation for schools to come in for such a day. Uh, the teachers, for teachers, it's an amazing opportunity to put in some real research in the day teaching. Of course, for students also it's interesting, but what's in it for scientists? Because you say it's such a growing movement, more and more institutes, not only in Germany, but like Europe-wide, worldwide are joining. So why do you think so? We, we very re much realize that we need a lot of communication on research into the public, into this, and the schools are ideal uh, target, right? I mean, everybody is at one point in, in a school, and if you, if you can uh, disseminate the information in the school, then you're also disseminating it out into the, into the public. And more and more, we would like to have uh, an, a general understanding in the public what it is uh, scientists are doing, uh, why, why there's money involved in, in, in funding this, but also why it is important for the whole society to have a very good research going on. And that is something which we can uh, achieve with such a day, right? So, so also for the scientists and the institutions, it is very important to, to interact. When I talk to the scientists after the talk, they're always, they feel reassured by the, of, of their work, by the reaction of the students. And it's interesting because they have to put their work in layman's terms to, to, to give their um, lecture to the students. And it's kind of, sort of a reflection, first of all, for the scientists as well. And they notice that they don't, uh, they have a connection to the outside world, to the students. And, Apparently, that's a great fun factor, factor. it's a reassuring factor, and um, our scientists always come back. They always return and say, I can give the talk again, I can improve. Uh, what would you say, what I have, should I have done better? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, it's... It's, um, it's like a it's science a, communication training in action, kind of live science communication training. Or Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, I think they feel a responsibility. But I had the impression that the students there were definitely not laymen. 
when we were asking them questions, I felt like they um, were in some way also used to having access to academic papers and being able to read them. So would you say that the science communication that they were doing there for the students was, was layman communication or more something in the middle? I th somewhere in the middle, because it's not layman as for like someone on the street, mm -hmm. but it's not as specific as for a, a colleague. And uh, the students are biology major in high school and they're already in the 11th or 12th grade. So they are very advanced and they really know a lot. That's why you get the impression that they're not laymans, but still they're not into totally into science. So they're a great field of experience for science communication for the scientist. It's, it's also a little bit like Einstein said, right? If you cannot explain something in general terms so that everybody understands it, then also you have not understand it completely. So if you bring it down to a level where a high school student, a biology major can understand it, then you also do something good for yourself because you bring it back down to something which is understandable also um, for yourself. Yeah, hello. My name is uh, Mareike Weyers von Mering. I'm from the Schiller Gymnasium and I'm teaching originally biology in English, but I actually only teach biology in English right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my name is Heike Kosovo. I'm from the Lise Meitner School. We call it School of Science, so we are a special, a special school focused on biology, chemistry and physics. <laughs> basically really curious when you would like to access new knowledge like something about what's new in science or what's going on generally how do you do it you as a teachers how where do you go where do you find your information so i'm i'm a great uh, fan of the um, media saying like facebook for example so there are a lot of interesting facebook accounts you can uh, use otherwise it's twitter and sometimes it's even Instagram, so it's all the social media stuff that really brings up good uh, and relevant news. And uh, you can find a lot of trash, that's for sure, but uh, from my point of view, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely use the internet. Um, I'm lucky I'm teaching biology in English, so I actually have uh, access to English sources as well. So we, I use the, the, the Campbell, for example, as a book for my biology lessons, and from that you get a very good link sometimes um, to, to YouTube videos as well, or um, definitely internet, and then um, and I, I use university sites like from Berkeley and Utah University, and they are quite far with research, so you can use that very nicely. And uh, the accounts you follow on, uh, on social media, um, are they also more like university or yeah. journals? Or, it's yeah. journals, for example. Mm -hmm. It's um, like a spectrum, for, for example, or quarks and co. Some, sometimes really simple, more or less simple made stuff, but uh, really up to date. And um, well, sometimes what, what I really uh, would love to have more access to his publications, scientific publications. But since I have a great network coming from science myself, so I phone a friend and they send me what I want to have, like mm -hmm. a new nature 
publication. It's not so often that I need it, but if I need it, I can get it. Yeah, you get you get reports on from Nature, for example, but it's yeah. If you want to have the whole paper, yeah. you need to pay for it. And I won't pay. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't understand probably properly anyway yeah. because I'm not I'm not a scientist. I mean, yeah. I definitely. And it's over the top, more or less. So yeah. you know, normally you don't need it, but sometimes you want want to have a, like one picture or one whatever it's in the in the publication, and you don't have access. How do you how do you think that your students access scientific knowledge? Do you think it's the same as you or different? Well, I think they probably use more YouTube videos yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, they're um, very often explanatory videos where, where some people explain certain things and I always tell them to see that they either find someone who has uh, um, some sort of teaching knowledge or uh, I give them some sites. I'm wondering about Wikipedia. Yeah, well, I love it. I love Wikipedia for a start. And I tell, tell my students if they want to get a first idea about something, they are allowed to use it. And then they should always scroll down to the bottom and have a look what other sources yeah. are given. Or um, very often you have links with Wikipedia that you can click on and then you get some further web pages, which very often are good. But I, for myself, I really like it to kind of get an idea first of all. And then very often they have these diagrams that one searches for. You can use very nicely for classes as well. And I always tell my students to not stick to Wikipedia, but to go on search, especially with the sources yeah. at the bottom. But it's a brilliant start because you, you get a lot of information. It's all up to date. And uh, I, I really encourage people to use it. So what I do not understand is that many teachers say, well, you shouldn't use Wikipedia because it's too easy. But... I think it's it's the best way to mm -hmm. start. And then, like you said, click to the button and you find the original links and you can go on. Yeah. Have, you, have you considered editing a page on Wikipedia? Like, with your I have considered, yes. And yes, sometimes. It's yeah. not often, but uh, I found two articles and I thought, well, I should write. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I'm retired, I will. <laughs> on Wikipedia, I'm, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question about um, misinformation. Is that something that in the classroom you are dealing with often? That people say, oh, and I read a study and it says this and this and this, and this study is based not on scientific knowledge? Or uh, I used to, especially, well, now that I teach students who are very good in English, they use English sources, and I have the feeling that that seems to be somehow the sources seem to be better. I remember when I was in Refendariat, I had a student once with, um, she was supposed to do a presentation on evolution, and she used a, uh, um, a site um, of a um, creationist and came up with uh, all these really wonderful theories. And uh, while uh, she gave the speech, I just had to stop her and say, well, okay, you just used a non-reliable source. Mm -hmm. But that had never happened again afterwards. So that's, it's more the problem of copy-paste what students now do because they feel mm -hmm. it's so well-written that they have difficulties using their own words. And you have to teach them how to actually do that. But it's, it's reliability is actually all right. Mm -hmm. For my feeling. Yeah. 
So while I'm teaching, for example, animal yeah. experiments, yes. so uh, that's a big topic, and we, we have uh, because we have a different focus than normal schools have. And uh, if you want to have uh, information about animal tests, you will land uh, in, um, directly with Ärzte gegen Tierversuche, PETA, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And it's hard to find reliable uh, information. The same is true for homeopathy. And so I teach a lot of pharmacology, and so that's my focus. And so I believe that all the people in my class, they end up with an idea. We could have a different opinion, and we could see it from a different point of view. And so, well, I have a message so in that way. But, but it's really difficult, and... Uh, um, so there's a big resistance sometimes, and people, the, the access to um, information that's not validated is easier than to find the good information. And it's really difficult to dif differentiate. Sometimes you have to go to the author. Who is the author? Mm. What is the education of the author? Where does he come from? Is it a biology person, or is it someone who, well, um, came from gardening, home or in yeah. kitchening something. Yeah, it's yeah. really spooky sometimes. Yeah. So you would think that, I mean, basically scientists need to communicate more or there needs to be more from the more official kind of reliable sources. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interaction between schools and science is essential. going to the Kalfmusiecki Gymnasium. My name is Mertz and the school name is Lisa Meitner. How do you access knowledge? Meaning, if you want to get informed about something, what's going on, you want to find out something, how do you go about? What, what do you use? Okay. Yeah. The main, main pool where I get, got, I get my knowledge is from the school and from the internet, of course. Uh, I use different websites, for, uh, which depends on the, on the subject, of course. Um, for example, if it's about chemistry, there's a website called chemistry.de. Uh, but with, with certain questions, I surely ask my, my teachers, because they have like, the, the most, the newest answers to certain questions. For example, Corona is very, uh, it's, it's like the, the main topic in, in Berlin and in the, the world. And um, I don't trust the internet there. So I asked my teachers. Uh, I also have a scholarship. Um, it's it's fellows.net. It's also a pool where I get my information. And um, well, friends and, and uh, like conversations with not just friends, but with certain people who know a lot about certain topics. Um, and I also go to um, like if I have a question about medicine. I have certain contacts, uh, positions. Always look on the internet and on YouTube there's this one channel, it's called uh, Simple Biology and uh, they have like this, these uh, learning videos, I don't know, um, which are very helpful, especially for school because um, they do like exactly what the teachers expect you to do. Um, and I also have a few books. I use, but uh, they don't have all the information I need often, I guess, so yes, I mostly use the internet. 
how do you um, so when you research like for some I don't know for, for school work or yes. something um, how do you know that the information you're getting from the internet is actually accurate? Uh, the internet is full of information and uh, it's usually when I look up something then I realize that on one website there's um, there's written about the topic I'm looking about I'm wondering about and then on the other website the information is different and I ask myself is it trustworthy or not um, and it's a very very common problem in, in our modern times today um, and yeah, so I, I know about how it. Do you, how do you go about then to sort this? Well, it, uh, first I look at, at, the, at the source. Uh, and again, certain, um, certain websites are more trustworthy than others. Uh, and then I compare uh, the sources and the information given within the sources with, the, with other sources. And of course, there, there's always the conversation with, with certain persons, for example, in school, um, persons working in this, uh, in this area of this topic. Um, so com comparing, stuff, uh, comparing the information is like the main key for me, personally. When I'm researching for like a serious topic, like my, um, I wrote this paper uh, for my abitur. Um, <laughs> yes, um, and I used uh, Scovus uh, and PubMed, and the studies um, which are shown there are, I think, pretty serious. And also like articles on nature and science. Um, but in the videos, um, I think I just believe that they are correct. I try to have like a second opinion on it or a third opinion. And if they are the same, I think that maybe it's right. But, so if you're reading original articles, if you go to PubMed, I mean, have you... Yeah. Most of the, most of the uh, literature there is usually not accessible outside of the university. Yes. Right? So how do you... I mean, how could you read the uh, papers? I have the login for my father. Ah. Uh, so I read um, with his account okay. and she also has the VPN of uh, the Duke University so I read the American papers on the internet but with his login so uh, okay. cheating I guess but Do you sometimes share these uh, papers then with your friends? Uh, yes, my best friend uh, wrote a paper about antibiotics um, and I shared a few articles with her she needed um, and she couldn't get access to. So, yes, but most of them, uh, we don't need these like scientific articles in our class papers, but only uh, like the basic information. So are you in your class kind of like the scientific paper dealer? <laughs> uh, no, just in my group of friends, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so if you hear about something new and you want to get scientific information, how do you go about it? I usually first ask my parents um, and then they usually give me like a few different sources that I can research myself and they are from different types of, they're, they're, like it can be from a Chinese source and then compare that to an American source or a British source also to check the, how much bias it is. So, so yeah. why do your parents give you those sources? Um, why they give it to me? I think it's because they want me to learn um, more myself 
like they, they, if I have questions, they always explain to me, okay, well, this is what this, what this means, or they research it themselves before. But I think they really give it to me so I can learn them better and also like on my own. Does it also have something to do with that you wouldn't have access to the sources by yourself? Or is it like, do your parents have, I don't know, an affiliation with a university so they have access to papers? So my dad, he does not work in medical field or in research. He actually works for a car company, but he knows he met a few doctors there. And then they usually also give him sources sometimes. So check them out. Yeah. And it's also important, I think, to check out what the news generally say about it because but there is also like a sense of bias to it and that always can um, change your opinion but basically I was at like a few conferences and each time there's at least one doctor that says um, if you're reading some type of um, opinion on um, medical research then take out the adjectives because without them um, you can have the facts Otherwise, if they say it has bad, um, I don't know the, the English word for this, it has bad consequences. Well, what, what is bad? Everything has consequences. So you check out the consequences and you can evaluate it yourself. That's important, I think. So, you, I mean, you seem very aware of the idea that a lot of information on science it can be biased or it can be exaggerated or something. Do you think the people you go to school with are aware of this? Or... Um, I am not quite sure if they're aware of it because I personally, I do a model United Nations, if you know, but I'm not sure. And so I'm one of the chairs in the International Court of Justice in the Birmingham conferences. And so they're um, part of the program when we tell the judges to evaluate and weigh the evidence that is given to us. We also always check for bias. And I think to know what bias really means, you have to first know also the political situations which influence the opinions on um, working with stem cells, for example, a lot. And when you come to Germany, it is almost forbidden to even like work with stem cells. And then you can compare that to an American source that is maybe critiquing this. And then you can find out more about, is this really how it's supposed to be? Have you heard the term open science before? No. Okay. That is interesting. And if I would just say, like, what would you imagine open science is when you hear that term? Does that um, pop in your mind? Maybe something like um, they tell everything that they research instead of keeping the facts hidden. And I'm not quite sure if that would be always a good a good thing to do because it can also spread like I don't know um, fear amongst people, and that's not good for political situations. And politics might intervene in this sector. And, that can cause problems. Well, I would say that it was, again, um, for me, one of those moments where I saw it really, really does make sense to have science communication. I was there last year, and I was totally thrilled from it. Um, yeah, smart kids smart people, very interesting also about their answers about um, accessing knowledge. I thought they were going to answer differently. That was interesting for me. I thought everybody was first going to say, well, of course, I go to Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that there was going to be as much um, like access through sources that are definitely secure. Yeah, I, I thought I thought this whole issue of trust in uh, in sources, reliability was quite interesting, mm -hmm. um, and 
I'm not really sure. I was thinking about it afterwards, and I mean, it seems like the the youngsters, the kids, I don't know how to call them properly without offending anybody, <laughs> the younger people, um, they seem to be like um, quite authority believing somehow, you know what I mean? Like if something comes from university or from a proper researcher, then it's, then it's okay, trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if this is the same as being critical. I also was wondering, though, if that was just exactly those students that we were talking to. Okay. Yeah. If, you know, if we would go to a normal high school, that they're not excelling in a mint uh, subject, what kind of connection they would have to accessing knowledge, like if it would be the same. Hmm. But definitely, I mean, I think definitely this this kind of outreach events where you at least give the opportunity for the students to come in and see for themselves, like what's going on and then talk to scientists, it's just really worth a lot. I, I was wondering how much comes from the teacher saying, you really need to look at your sources. And when I was in school, I don't remember that being such a such an issue. Oh, it's definitely an issue now. I mean, the, they really talk about it in schools much more. I hope at the universities as well. And it's really the it's it's really an issue of this like trustworthy like how do you find reliable sources where do you get your information from I think that's quite a big issue which is good I mean that's really quite a journey from this this early digital natives I think had no clue and now it's really like the the younger the now teenagers they really at least have heard about it so much that they're kind of thinking about it yeah and then comes the next question of so do we still need publishers what if everybody's able to just publish everything everywhere mm. like. How does that then work? How do you then have the source and know that it is? But it's still this thing of, uh, you know, there still will be people reviewing mm-hmm. data, writing review articles, pulling data together, making sense out of the noise. And how do you know that those people who are viewing articles and making sense out of the noise, that they're trustworthy? Like None of any system that we can come up does kind of absolve you from using your own brain and judgment. So um, if you want to um, make sense out out of something, first of all, you have to have, you have to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And that means access, but also the the knowledge level. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you still have to go do your work, you know. So just like any scientist just not takes any paper and just because it's published in a certain place, just believes it. It's still, you know, you still have like journal clubs where you review the papers and critic it and science is very good at critiquing other scientists so you know um i think it's basically just the for me the the conclusion is like well still have to do the work (laughs) you still have to do the work but you're not able to do the work in every single area so to a certain extent you have to trust and believe in certain sense as well yeah but in every area someone has to do the work so exactly but if that work is open for other people to be able to control it then it's easier yeah right on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, the Orion Open Science Project is brought to you from Berlin, from Max Book Center for Molecular Medicine, and the Orion Op- and the EU-funded Orion Open Science Project. If you have any comments or would like to get in touch with us, please contact us at the um, OOSP underscore Orion Pub. That's on Twitter, or write us an email to Orion at mdc-berlin.de and the music was produced, written by Fabio de Miguel, sound editing done by Paolo Oliveira. Bye! (laughs) See you in two weeks. Bye!